0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. People sometimes ask about the big picture of our work. Why do we present these programs? The answer is we're trying to cultivate a more cohesive sense of community, and our vision of community is based on personal ideals and values, such as compassion, generosity, equality, and civility. We aim to serve the large and growing audience of people who seek a positive alternative to media negativity and exploitation. And we strive to shed light on solutions, not just problems. If you resonate with this vision, you can support us at humanmedia.org and click How You Can Help at the top of our homepage. Thank you. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a special grant from the Henry Luce Foundation.
1: Sometimes it takes me, you know, an hour for me to relax all the buzz that's going on in my brain because I've been so materially focused to be able to relax and let go of that so some part of me can listen to more subtle levels.
0: Some refreshing ways we can avoid burnout, recharge our batteries, and regroup after coping with stress. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. Whether we're facing an avalanche of phone calls, emails, and text messages, or just too many things on the calendar, it's so very easy to struggle with staying focused and well-organized. Some refreshingly simple solutions are laid out in David Allen's best-selling book, Getting Things Done. They are practical methods developed in his decades spent advising high-powered, highly-busy executives on ways to improve how they manage the relentless demands on their time. In your work of coaching people to help them get better organized and be more productive, I wonder how often people complain that they are overstretched and time-starved. Well, that's the fairly universal cry out there.
1: I mean, if you had enough time and resources, there's no need to think about time. You just wander around and do what you feel like doing. and Whatever shows up is fine. I mean, the, the, the simple definition of management is the allocation of limited resources. So if you take that and say self-management, well, we, we never have you know, unlimited resources to do everything that we want to do. The, I think the big issue is that most people, have, their eyes have been bigger than their stomachs. And the fact is, it's really the stress of opportunity
0: that our life of abundance has really, you know, allowed people. So what's the most common thing you see when you kind of get under the hood of somebody who's saying, I just don't have enough hours in the day to do what is essential for me to do? What What's the error in thinking or the... The misalignment that's going on there
1: most of the time. Most people have not teased out what doing the essential thing I need to be doing is in all of its Meaning they haven't prioritized the most? No, they haven't defined it. They haven't got the list yet. They haven't really sat down. I would sit you down and say, great, make a list of all the really meaningful things you think you need to be getting done right now. Let's see it. And very few people could give it to you. Most people have this sort of vague angst in there that there's things they probably could, would should be doing. And the truth is they may sincerely be way overcommitted and understaffed to get done what they need to get done. But we've got to get the inventory first. Most people have some subjective emotional response to the overwhelm and the lack of clarity that's going on simply because they have not externalized and clarified what it is they've agreed with themselves about. A little bit of aversion. I'd rather not really dig down into the details of that because it would be so unpleasant. Listen, if this were easy, I wouldn't have this job. (laughs) People wouldn't pay me what they pay me to sit down and say, hey, what's on your mind? Get it out of your mind. What does that mean? Where are you going to park the results of that? That's really all I do. I don't tell people what to do with their stuff. I mean, it's funny. People get mad at me for their list. I go, excuse me, that that ain't my list.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I'd like to hear your thoughts about our human need for downtime and strategies you suggest for carving out downtime and what happens when we're intentionally turning off the meter and granting ourselves permission to take a deep breath and let go a little bit. Yeah, well, you've
1: really identified, I think, the, the key to rhythm and how do you how do you manage the rhythm of your life. You know, you, you can't stay on all the time. Uh, there are rhythmic patterns to your breathing, rhythmic patterns to your heartbeat, rhythmic patterns to your energy levels, you know, your thinking processes, et cetera. And, you know, lots of studies out there about how valuable it is to every 90 minutes you need to stop and sort of you know, rejigger your mind because you're, you, you know, you're likely to be running down some path that, that will be suboptimal if you keep trying to push on that too long. So I think a lot of it is just awareness of your own energy and how you know, we're not just an always-on machine that you can run without burning out. I think it's quite individual and unique to individuals in terms of what burnout, what would cause burnout. Look at some people and they say, hey, they're fine doing what they're doing and they look like they're running you know, 90 miles an hour doing what they're doing, but that's actually okay for them. Uh, so I think it's quite individual in terms of how one perceives that. But I think, to your point, uh, I experience it as the ability to be able to shift gears and shift levels. When are you in first gear? When do you need to be in fourth gear? When do you need to be in neutral? You know, when do you need to go in re- reverse? So much like driving a car, you don't want to be out on the freeway and be, you know, stuck in first gear. You need to be up in fourth gear. So having the right energy for the right time in the right place, for instance, you know, sometimes if your energy's best in the morning, that's that's the best time to tackle tough things to do. When your energy can can handle that. At the end of the day, if your energy kind of wanes, that's a good time to snack on email and finish all those little nitsy little things that you want that you wanna be able to do.
0: A core principle of David Allen's approach to getting things done is to keep focused on the process of working through our unfinished business, from emails we haven't processed to major life transitions we haven't prepared for. Instead of feeling overwhelmed by the backlog, dig in and resolve things one by one, because that clears the way for new and potentially exciting opportunities. But taking care of business, says David Allen, can't be relentless. Human beings are constructed to need breaks, time to get refreshed and rejuvenated. You want to be able to have the freedom to move to whatever
1: level of conversation with yourself you think is appropriate at that time. So that's a big vote for you might call reflection or contemplation or meditation or spiritual exercises, which is, you know, as I've said, the universe is always on. So it's not about getting quiet, so that the world will quiet. You know, it's all it's about is shut that noise out,
0: so you can listen to different sounds. Do you need to schedule downtime? Do you need to set aside a certain part of the day, on a daily or however frequent basis, to have the quiet that we need to recharge? Well, if you sleep at all, then you're, the nature is going to take over, you know,
1: and do that for you anyway. Uh, how much you ought to be scheduling it probably depends upon whether or not you have the habit of doing it already. If you have the habit of doing spiritual practices in the morning or doing taking a walk and you know in the afternoon when you finish whatever you do, then you don't need to probably schedule it. You'll just do it in and around just like taking showers. You probably don't have that on your calendar either. So once it becomes habitual, sure. And also if some part of you says, "Look, I need to be able to." think at a different level over an extended period of time. I coach many executives that really need to block out two or three-hour blocks of uninterrupted time to be doing strategic thinking about certain kinds of things. And you know, if you're doing creative writing or production, there's a certain kind of a time that you need to be able to block out so that some part of you gets into the flow of that, which is very difficult to do in very short little bursts of time sometimes. So understanding sort of just how well do you know yourself? And how well do you know what kind of work that you're trying to do? Are you trying to do inner work for which it takes a long time? You know, sometimes it takes me, you know, an hour for me to relax all the buzz that's going on in my brain because I've been so materially focused to be able to relax and let go of that so some part of me can listen to more subtle levels. And what does that hour consist of for you? Well, it it will consist basically of letting go.
0: Is that sitting blankly?
1: Well, if you looked at me from the outside, yes, you'd see me there probably with closed eyes, sitting there doing nothing. Uh, internally, I'm, you know, I, you know, I have spiritual practices where that will allow me to sort of move my mind and my emotions along in a positive path. That's kind of like training wheels until you start to get into the flow of a more transcendental experience in your consciousness. So that's the whole idea of moving your awareness, letting it sort of let go. If you say, "Let me just let go of these thoughts," and it's hard to not have any thoughts, but if you can keep letting go of that particular thought, see what shows up next, and start to just observe. You know, most of the spiritual practices around the world have always taught that observation is the very first thing to practice. So if nothing else, just start to notice what you're thinking, notice what you're feeling, notice what, how you're, notice anything. So so then then you start to go back and say, who's the noticer, and who is that? And so letting go of everything. So if you if you can let go, whatever you can't let go of is you. So, you know, that's a lifelong practice to, you know, get to that place as far as I'm concerned.
0: And what would be some easy first steps for people who are feeling like, I just need to make sure I get enough downtime so I can recharge, but I don't seem to get to it?
1: So I would suggest you you relax, you know, take it easy, and start to do it in small little incremental chunks. You really only need two minutes or three minutes to stop and take a breath. Do nothing. You know, just walk around the block.
0: Three minutes of silence can be life-changing. Oh, huge. Huge.
1: Yeah. And breathing, you know, all the spiritual practices of any, you know, of the, any of the inner work is just, just focus on your breathing just because your, your breath is will bring you present, basically. All those things that say, you know, you worry about the past or you regret the past and you worry about the future is taking you away from being present. So being present is actually a very real place that one can get to and it doesn't have to be any big mysterious thing other than being able to kind of let go of those things that are pulling on us and pulling on the psyche.
0: It's very nice on those occasions when we can be present, when we can block out the extraneous stuff that otherwise would distract us and make eye contact and be aware, and be there, and be able to notice, and hear, and see, and enjoy, and open up to what's happening. It's a wonderfully refreshing moment. Yes, and it's a very natural moment.
1: The, the funny thing is, is that we seem to have added onto ourselves all kinds of detritus, you know, all kinds of things, that that's why, you know, to me, a big key is just let go just give it up. Let go. Whatever the argument is, whatever the feeling is, whatever the regret is, hey, just stop just for a second. Just let go. Because you know if you've ever connected with another human being that there's just a, you know, and you connect in laughter and in crying, you know, laughter is more fun. So, you know, that's, that that brings us all very much to the same level. But at, at those places, you re- really realize it's all very ordinary. It's all very present. That person was always there. Uh, and... You know, I think a lot of people think about that as then sort of denying the material world that we're all involved in. And I think that's why I got so engrossed in, in figuring out the GTD process so that one could still stay engrossed or involved in the world in some optimal way, in some way that could express and expand and produce, you know, great value for yourself and other people you know, in the material world, and at the same time, be able to extract yourself from that ad hoc and as required. So be in it, but not of it. In it, but not of it. And in my experience, it's tricky business because, you know, to your point, being able to remember and remind myself that if I let myself go too far out that track in terms of the material world and my interior involvement, somehow my inspiration starts to dry up. But it's not like an immediate thing. It just slowly starts to exhaust itself, and then I wind up in exhaustion. And that's usually my indicator that, hey, David, come on, you haven't paid attention yet. You're not appropriately engaged with your agreement with yourself in terms of how you're managing your energy and how you're doing what you're doing. So I go stop, you know, take a breath, sit down, close my eyes you know, and go back into my inner worlds, which is really where the inspiration comes from. It's a strange paradox that our inspiration to express and to do out here actually comes from an inner place. Uh, But if you don't pay attention to that inner place and sort of give it its due and appropriately engage with that, then... It is likely will be exhausted as you let yourself sort of get wrapped around the axle of the world. So the big challenge for me, and it's been sort of a life a lifelong challenge that I've taken on, is to how how can I stay engaged in the world but keep that connection to the inner process with me as I'm engaged with the world, so that. You know, you can be in a bus stop or you could be in the middle of a, of a business negotiation and truly take five seconds and connect to another level of agreement with myself about who I am and what my real purpose is and why I'm there and what really matters to me.
0: So how are you doing with that challenge? <laughs> Today? <laughs> That's
1: all we've got. You know, if I could remember that more than about half a dozen or dozen times a day, I'd be in great shape. So I got a lot of room to improve. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we
0: all? I mean, that's a very high bar, but it it is the, the sweet spot.
1: It is the sweet spot. And I think probably, to be honest, that over, you know, I've been involved in consciously in doing spiritual work for 45 years. And, you know, over that period of time, there's probably a part of me that more just sort of lives that. Just I just kind of am more of that, that I don't have to work at it. But the better you get, the better you better get. So that the, you know, because it can very easy to seduce myself that I'm nice and at peace and everything is going fine. There are just subtler levels where the gears will start to rattle and the distractions will start to to come in. So.
0: And in my experience, those times when I'm quite contented with you know just how advanced I am, are precisely the <laughs>
1: moment when something shows up yeah. that completely Let's see, floors me. Let's see how advanced you really <laughs> are.
0: We are talking with David Allen, who advises individuals, corporations, and nonprofits on ways to organize for improved mental clarity and productivity. His book, Getting Things Done, has become a classic primer for anyone hoping to avoid the modern trap of feeling overwhelmed. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. For more information on this segment, Avoiding Burnout with David Allen, and to obtain an audio download, please visit humanmedia.org. Let's discuss an activity you recommend, and that's keeping a written journal. Do you maintain a journal for yourself? I do. And what's that about? What's it like? What's in it if you feel like sharing some of that? You know,
1: I've gone through cycles where sometimes I've, I, I haven't written in it for a year or two. And then sometimes I'm I, I'm writing in it fairly consistently. I tie it very much in with my spiritual practices because I find it's a great way to lead into my spiritual practices. Because when I journal, I usually just, it, it allows me to sit down with a wonderful pen and a wonderful journal, you know, leather bound, which I really loved, which is you know, I need, I need all the help I can get. So cool gear, you know, it's really great to be able, especially when, when it creates context for me. And that's what it does is it creates a context. And in that context, when I sit down in that context, there's a part of me that automatically sort of tees myself up to a different level. Uh, you know, it, it, make, it, it puts me into the observer mode. Where I can just say your okay,
0: brain knows I'm journaling. Yes,
1: my uh, hey, David, David's journaling. Okay, we all need to now pay attention. What's going on? How's it going? And you know that automatically. I have habitual kinds of thinking that goes on when I start to journal. Uh, that automatically kind of lists me into you know sort of. The, the, the higher self part of me in terms of how I'm thinking about life and what I should be focused on and you know just good practices like what would I like to affirm right now what would I like to acknowledge right now what, kind of, what would I like to be thankful for right now just all the kinds of good things that I found you know are healthy things to sort of help clean, clean and clear up any kind of confusions or doubts or negativity that may be going on
0: and do you find that more constructive what would I like to affirm now what would I like to express my gratitude for now than to upchuck a whole no, I, I think all inventory of
1: problems. I think all of that's fine. In my Even in my spiritual practices, I know we, we have a practice of free-form writing, which is really a, a way to sort of clear a lot of the unconscious, where you just write, 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 write anything, 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 just free-flowing stream of consciousness, and then you burn it. I mean, that's really just kind of letting go. That's a real sort of data dump in terms of your consciousness. I find that extremely healthy to do you know, every once in a while. And sometimes... Just in- there's stuff
0: swirling around. Yeah. It's taking its toll on you. Just the act of releasing it in some written form yeah. is yeah. liberating. Yeah, and I think the,
1: the ritual of it, especially the ritual of getting it all out, and I think physically just hand my hand moving... You know, I think I don't think you can do this on a computer or a typewriter. I think you, I really think you need to have a, you know, have your hand engaged in it. It seems like there's just more involved in in that when
0: you when you do that. I can,
1: yeah. I, I
0: I find amazing release from typing things out. But that's... Uh, that I've done that too. And sometimes I think it's
1: useful just to sit down and do a what is. Here's what's true. Here's what's happened. Here's what I feel. Here's what's going on. Here's a, it's just another observation. So. I think there's room for all of that. As a matter of fact, what you don't want to do is hold anything back that some part of you might want to express. Get up, get out, take a look. You know, it, it takes, You know, as a friend of mine says, it takes a lot of courage to see the face of God because it takes a lot of courage to see your own. And that so, means, so don't self-censor. Don't self-censor anything. You know, it doesn't mean you dwell on it. That's, that's the point. Usually when you self-censor, some part of you is still holding back and afraid of it and still holds on to it. So if you really want to let it go... Express it and then let it go. Don't express it and sit there and reread it 14 times. (laughs) That probably wouldn't be the best thing for you to do.
0: Now, there's something quite powerful about the written word, about reducing the thought to something that you can see in black and white or whatever, color ink or whatever your computer screen if you're typing it, but seeing it in, in written form in front of you. What do you think is the magic of that? I don't really know. I don't really do, you, know. do you experience a magic in it?
1: I do experience a magic in it. Some of the magic is it can be practically expressed in that if I write it down, my brain doesn't have to keep hanging on to it. So it gives my brain room to go to other places. So for instance, just writing stuff down you need to remember or, or writing things down that might be good ideas that you have. If you write it down, some part of your brain goes, oh, okay, now I don't have to keep remembering that thing. And it gives it room to have further ideas. So part of it's just practical, just just keeping the the, the flow going by being able to not have the brain try to to recreate it if it had meaning to you. So being able to then see the meaning, but then also I think it's true, and this may have to do, I know there are studies done with different people, with people's neurology, that sometimes some people can read some people love to do that in reading some people in writing some people in talking so there could be different manner of expressions with it but i've certainly experienced it myself that that getting things externalized seeing it in some sort of iconic form or symbolic form that a word gives back to you and seeing what you what you create there i think much like a painter would would do the same thing as soon as they start to put paint on a canvas you know there's something that shows up that didn't that wasn't there before because they're feeding back off themselves, their own expression. So I think there's probably something that would be quite similar.
0: Unloading ideas and concerns into a journal and routinely setting aside time for contemplation are ways David Allen finds personally helpful positive techniques for managing a world where we can feel quite deluged by the flood of information and opportunities that come our way. Partly his mission is to make it easier for us to rise above the din and remain productive. And partly it's to help people get in touch with inner resources we have that can easily become obscured in our frenzy of activity. You've written that for most people A conversation with your higher self is waiting to be had and that we should strive not to let our busyness, the frenzy of our lives, get in the way of that conversation with a higher self. Can you explain that? I don't know if
1: I can explain it. I'm just describing it. Uh, It seems like there is a still small voice that we all have I think everybody knows that place that even in the midst of the weirdest, strangest, traumatic places, some part of us steps back, takes a breath, and goes, this is really funny. Or, (laughs) David, what are you really doing right now? And I think that voice, that inner, you could call it the inner wisdom, the inner knowing, you could call it the high self, that thing that sort of relates to the more grandiose and elegant kinds of things, and it's also quite loving and quite neutral doesn't seem to have a big agenda other than your best, your best wishes that you do what you do. But it also has infinite patience and lets you do all kinds of things that are probably not the best thing for you. So stopping and learning to listen to that thing, the cool thing is, is that the more you start to listen to that, pay attention to that, the more it talks. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, it's sitting there called, hey, if you're not listening, why, why should I bother? You know, But it's always there.
0: Well, they call it the still small voice. Sometimes, because it feels like it's whispering, That's and it's right. very easy for the loudness of our thoughts to drown it out. But when we can allow our thoughts to get quieter, that voice naturally becomes more audible and something we can focus on more easily. Sure,
1: you know, I, in my experience and over all these years, David, in doing this kind of work, is that. I I don't think we really need to change who we are. I don't even think we really need to transform who we are. I think we need to transcend uh, what we think we are, so that we sort of connect to the bigger thing that we've always been. So once you get once you kind of get there, it's strange because, you know, when you when you when you do allow yourself to get to any of those places, you know, inner or outer that you might call spiritual awareness. In a way, it has no sense of space or time. So when you're there, everything is eternal. Uh, the trick is, is when you're there, realizing that you're probably going to drop back down into the <laughs> into the mundane. And so, you know, how do you use those times to reinforce and reinvigorate and and plant seeds so that you know while you're down in the more mundane levels, you know, it keeps you still directed in the right direction, so you don't go too far afield. And then you start to, you know, reap your physical experiences here as things to learn from things to mature from and ways to be of service as a way to express that energy you know and to you know i think service is the probably highest form of consciousness that we can experience here just being you know that that's a fast way to to get rid of your the negativity is just go be of service to somebody real service
0: i guess that's a last subject that i i would love to open up for a couple minutes which is how to apply the principles of being clear and organized, a system named after your book, Getting Things Done, to the task of being of true service?
1: I would say your ability to optimally be of service is your ability to be optimally available, to bring to bear and to bring to whatever the situation or person that you're trying to be of service to or about, to bring all of you the best you can. And not have you distracted or pulled away, you know, out of uh, uh, the other things that perhaps were not managed so well. Also, you really need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. Many people, I think, try to go be of service and then burn themselves out because they're not aware of their own engine. So back to our other point of how do I need to make sure that I manage my own energy and my own cycles and my own refreshment and, and rebuilding and connections internally with myself so that I can maintain the optimal flow and the the ability to be available to other people.
0: So balancing a kind of selflessness with self-care to the point where you can then be of service. Yes,
1: and I think, you know, come on, when it comes down to it, the more confident and good you feel about yourself and how you're managing your world, that just flows out to everybody around you. So sometimes the best way to be of service is lighten up. (laughs) So you're not a burden because of the energy field you're walking around with as Mr. Grumpy.
0: (laughs) David Allen, author of the best-selling guide, Getting Things Done. Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Alan Mattis. Editorial assistance from Mark Kilstein, Thomas Royal, and Kathy Graham. Webmaster, Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Shart Media.
1: You can hear more episodes of our series at humankindpodcast.org. That's humankindpodcast.org.
0: This segment, Avoiding Burnout with David Allen, is Humankind Program Number 206.
1: The executive producer is David Freudberg. Please subscribe to our free weekly podcast. The title is Humankind on Public Radio.